Well, it's another busy day. It's a Friday here in New York, and uh, on the line with me, of course, is one Lou Terminello. Good evening, Lou. Hey, Alex. How are you? Thanks for having me again. Much appreciated. Always love having you. It was fairly brief the other day, but we talked about what we needed to. So let me ask you this. Uh, one thing that we didn't get to this week is how everybody in New York seems to be competitive, don't they? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good thing. As uh, the calendar turns from 22 into 23, uh, the winter season is going to be uh, uh, competitive as we go into what should be a very interesting summer with the Yankees and the Mets. Uh, let's Looking at the basketball teams first, uh, the Knicks have you know had just had an eight-game winning streak broken. Uh, they're, they're playing very well. They're playing better defensively. And just think, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Thibodeau's job seemed to be on the line. Uh, there were whispers that uh, he could be uh, uh, he he could be replaced. And now uh, they've turned that they've turned that around. We have to see if they're going to be consistently uh, good going down the, down the stretch here into the second half of the year. The Nets have won 11 out of 12 over in Brooklyn. Durant has had a spectacular year. Uh, he's just uh, just an incredible player. Uh, Kyrie, since he's, he came back from the suspension, has been tremendous. They have a big uh, test tonight against the Bucks. I know Kyrie had ankle, um, excuse me, calf tightness, and he missed the game against the Warriors. But um, the two basketball teams look like they will uh, be going uh, into the uh, season, the second half of the season as uh, they should be definitely in the hunt for a spot all the way. The, the, Nets should, the Nets should get a spot. I think the Nets are fourth in the conference now, which is pretty remarkable considering all they went through leading up to the beginning of the season, then the Kyrie uh, situation with the suspension. But uh, then that leads us to the uh, boys on the ice. Uh, the, the Rangers are red hot, winning eight out of nine. And again, about a month ago, three weeks ago, Gallant's job was being mentioned uh, in, in hockey circles as he may be replaced because the uh, Rangers weren't uh, weren't playing like they did last year, which was pretty crazy that they would even talk about Gallant being replaced. Rangers are doing very well. Shosturkin is back on his game. He was a little bit off. And um, uh, if the Rangers continue to get the scoring on the power play, their power play is still very scary, and if Sorokin continues to play as well as he uh, did, uh, Shosturkin, excuse me, we'll go to Sorokin because Sorokin, who, who plays goal for the Islanders, and uh, the Islanders are not doing that well in the last three weeks. Uh, they're about four, six, and two. Uh, they have they've been banged up. No Clutterbuck. Uh, no Casey Sasekis who got hurt last night. No Adam Pellet for the last seven games. So the Islanders' depth is being uh, being challenged after a good stretch for them. Their roster still needs improvement, and I have no idea what general manager Lou Lamarillo is going to do to improve the roster. Going into last night's game, uh, the difference between the first-place team and the ninth-place team was only eight points. That's how tight the Eastern Conference is. It's tough to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. And then let's not forget the boys across the river. Uh, here in Jersey, Devils had a six-game losing streak after going 21-4-0 and 0, uh, 
but they're a good team. Uh, they just hit a, a speed bump. They're still young. This is their first experience playing at a high level. I think they're going to be in the playoff battle the rest of the way, and I think they might make a trade. They have surplus to make a trade at, at the uh, trade deadline, which is, which is March 3rd. So for those five teams, it's, uh, I think it should be a very, very good uh, 2023 uh, calendar. So uh, we'll see. It's, it, it, it's always better when the teams are playing for something, just like the, uh, uh, the Giants and, and, and uh, Jets are playing. The Jets are still technically alive. Their chances of making it are slim at none. But um, obviously losing two games Zach? in five days has been very, very damaging to them. Um, Lou, is it time to and, sack Zach, as they say? Well, I mean, obviously, I always believe that the target when a team doesn't do well, the quarterback and the coach, that, that's low-hanging fruit. And Zach was not good last night. He was totally ineffective. He, was, he looked un- uncomfortable. Obviously, his confidence wasn't there. But to just blame what happened last night or what blamed uh, what happened uh, in the Detroit game on Sunday on Zach is just a little bit a little bit too a little bit too tough. And the media, in my opinion, uh, have been way 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 over the top tough on him. And as are the, as were the fans. But in the fans' case, and I'm one of them. Uh, it's been a long time, and the fans are just running out of patience. The media is just – I don't know what these guys are looking to gain, but he's not ready. I don't know if he's played his last game as a Jet. Uh, his contract is – his rookie contract, so it's not a huge uh, situation as far as if they try to move him. Uh, so uh, uh, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens in the future, but – I have no idea who's going to quarterback in Seattle next week. I assume if uh, if Mike White is cleared uh, to play, he will play. But again, as as we said weeks ago on uh, this segment, even when uh, Mike White, after he beat the Bears and and played well in Minnesota, but again, they left a lot of points on the field. They were in the red zone four times and didn't get in against Minnesota. They should have won that game. And Zach Wilson wasn't even activated that game. But, um, you know, the offensive line last night was totally, totally ineffective. Jacksonville's front abused them. Uh, They couldn't run block. 11 yards rushing by their running back. And then just like last week, you know, the defense did nothing and Lawrence was shredding them. I mean, and is this a, are we seeing an improved Trevor Lawrence at the same time as we're seeing the Jets' defense let them run all over? Well, you, you are correct. I mean, in, in the first half last night, Trevor Lawrence uh, led, led uh, Jacksonville to 251 total yards. Uh, the defense allowed, the Jets' defense allowed them to go 96 yards and never stopped them. The only third down play that they had in that drive, Jacksonville, was when Trevor Lawrence snuck in for the touchdown. Uh, last week, the Jets go ahead on the 60 yard, the 60 yard drive capped off by Wilson's. Uh, touchdown pass, um, then if you're a big-time defense, and the Jets' defense is good, it just may not be mature enough. You know, you got a lot of young guys, you know, on, on that side of the ball. But if you want to be an elite defense, 
And I do believe the Jets are playoff caliber defense. I don't know if they're Super Bowl level defense. Uh, you got you got to stop them. You can't let Detroit score. They needed a touchdown, and they were totally fooled on that fourth fourth and inches play, which ended up with a touchdown to uh, to the tight end right, uh, who went in untouched. I mean that's unforgivable. And and even in Minnesota, the Jets cut it to twenty to fifteen in the fourth quarter. Kirk Cousins leads them downfield. Defense never stops them. Jets did have a shot at the end in Minnesota, but they did, they didn't get in. So I mean, I I think it's a it's a it's a lot of uh, uh, different things here. But the Jets have a major quarterback dilemma. I'm not, I don't even want to call it, call it a problem. But again, Alex, you look around the league. Uh, we can go down. You know, let's you know real quick. The Jets have a quarterback issue. New England has a quarterback issue. Pittsburgh has a quarterback issue. Is Kenny Pickett the guy? I don't know. Tennessee, are they going to continue with Ryan Tannehill? I mean, now he's out for the year, but I mean, moving forward next year. Indianapolis, who knows? They have no quarterback. Houston, is are the Raiders going to continue with Derek Carr? Denver's stuck with Russell Wilson unless he has a renaissance next year. It looks like he's on the other side of of his career. Washington needs a quarterback. Taylor Heineke is not going to be their quarterback next year. That's for sure. Chicago, their best running back is their quarterback. How about that? Hey, Lou. He's going to be their quarterback of the future, Josh Fields. While we're talking about this, I want to go back real quick because we didn't talk about this at all. We both agreed, right, off air that the Sala timeout last week, that wasn't the big issue, right? I mean, I think he got too much heat for that after watching his defense just go down and let the Lions roar into the end zone, if you will. Well, if he uh, had called that timeout, instead of that 58-yard field goal, they might have been able to to get another play in. There's no guarantee that that they were going to move further down the field, but it could have been a 45-yard field goal. Could have been a 47-yard field goal. They should have called Salah. You know, Salah made a mistake. He made a he made a, a big mistake, and he actually admitted it a couple of days later. Uh, but uh, yeah, they why take? You never want to take time home timeouts home with you. You never do. And uh, you know that that was uh, again going back to Zach Wilson. I don't think Zach Wilson can play for the Jets anymore. But the Jets are doing nothing to help him. He. You know, they're not. I mean, the offensive line, no running game. Three at third and nine, third and eight, third and 12. Can't win that way. And I am surprised that they didn't start the second half. And it wouldn't have been Streveler. I would have put Joe Flacco in. They somehow. I I did throw four touchdown passes in the game two win against uh, the Browns. Uh, Again, I, I really don't know. You want. You want, you want to win games. They lost a close game to the Lions. They lost a close game at Buffalo. They lost a close game at Minnesota. They lost a close game at New England. Those are winnable games. You've got to seize the moment in sports. You've got to seize the moment in the NFL. You really like, do. So. Like one Franco Harris did, and we'll get to him in a second, but I've got to get back to the Vikings real quick. Are they the craziest, uh, what, 11-3 and team you've ever seen play this game? I would agree game? with that. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, obviously they have a quarterback that I think is underrated in Kirk Cousins. The guy's a little fearless. Um, obviously they have terrific receivers. Their defense isn't anything special. 
they are probably the very the sports gods have have uh, blessed them. That's for sure. And uh, the Giants are there tomorrow. Good thing they're playing indoors and not outdoors <laughs> because of the the terrible cold and snowy conditions in the Midwest. Uh, the Giants, I believe, can clinch a player spot tomorrow if they win and Washington loses. I think that's the scenario. I'm not. I'm not really sure. You might want to check on that. But uh, you have to think that Washington is going to lose in in San Francisco on on Sunday. Uh, I so am so glad. Done. I'm so glad, by the way, that you mentioned the snow. Did you hear what happened? Apparently, the NFL referee and I'm forgetting the name now lied to the Buffalo Bills fans about being ejected from the game if they kept throwing the snowballs. That was a total lie, but it worked. It did work. Yeah, that's for sure. It, it, it did work. And uh, um, I'll tell you, Miami played better in the cold weather. I know it didn't snow until late in the game, but uh, they played better in the cold weather weather on uh, uh, Saturday night than I, than I thought. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, Minnesota, they've done a good job. And, uh, you know, they'll they'll be in the playoffs. I don't know what the matchup's going to be, but just say if the Giants play Minnesota at Minnesota in the playoffs, I think they could win. I really do. Giants? I do. I think the Giants can win at Minnesota. And that's a possible first-round opponent for them. Would they have to go up 40 to nothing at that point? Or? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, what happened to the Colts last week is – uh, just beyond beyond belief, but uh, Giants had. You I mean the, the, the Giants? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Giants play these last three games because if they clinch the playoff spot tomorrow, they're playing the Colts at home next week. Do they start resting people? I mean, Barkley looks a little tired. Uh, you know, running back is a tough position, and he's had you know he's had some major injuries. Do they rest them next week? Uh, against the Colts if they clinch tomorrow. And I don't know what the scenario is, but I think there is a, a, re- a realistic possibility if they win and Washington loses. There might be another scenario in there uh, that they need, another combination. But uh, uh, Thibodeau played a great game last week. I mean, he's, he uh, lived up to his number five uh, draft, uh, draft, overall draft pick last uh, Saturday night. He was strip sack, fumble, touchdown, he put pressure on them the, the whole night, and uh, he had been uh, he had missed some games, a couple games, but he hadn't come close to playing like he did last week. And if uh, that happens, uh, uh, that's a big, big asset for for, for them. But uh, uh, we'll see. But getting back to what we originally talked about, yes, it's 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 a good it's been a good role for New York teams, both the teams in the off season, like the Mets and the Yankees, the Yankees resigning Judge. The, the Mets, what they've done. Um, so New York fans have really have nothing to complain about. <laughs> we'll always find something think. here, Lou, as you know. But I got to ask you this. Um, well, I'll ask you about the, the the fact that both basketball teams are putting up a hundred plus points a game. Still, mine blows my mind, and we got into that a little earlier tonight. But yeah, it, it does because we were they the the Knicks averaged about one hundred twenty two points a game last year. They've averaged more than that this year, and we're only in December when you think about it. Well, I think that there's a lot of reasons behind it. Obviously, analytics has teams attempting more three-point attempts, more three-point shots. Um, and uh, 
obviously you get a hot night and you go 18 for 34 from three, you're going to end up scoring 125, 130 points a game. But when you don't, uh, you're going to end up losing. And that's, this is the thing that has surprised me. There's a lot of scores, 134 to 98. I mean, there's a lot of uncompetitive, non-competitive games. And the other thing which I think hurts, the, it definitely hurts the NBA, teams resting players, load management, rest. I mean, come on. Can't play back-to-back games. First of all, they're ripping off the fans who are paying big money to see certain players play. Example, New Orleans twice hosted the Warriors. Both times, the Warriors rested Curry, Jermon Green, uh, Thompson, and Wiggins. All right, Alex, me and you saving our money to go to uh, see, and we live down in Louisiana, going to see the Warriors and the, uh, um, and, and the Pelicans, and we, and we see a G League team. And that night, the second time, the Pelicans won by 45 points. It was no game. Look, look, look at the Warriors coming in, and I know they were more banged up than resting guys. They played the Knicks on Tuesday. They played the Nets on Wednesday. They got smoked both nights. It wasn't close. The Nets scored 91 points in the first half. The end, that's a, to me, that's an NBA problem. It's, it's really unfair to the paying customer. Well, especially, right. Now, let me ask you this. The, they were also fined for sitting a lot of those guys, at least one of those games. But do you think they have the right to if they're up that much or what? No, I mean, when I, wor- when I worked for the New Jersey Nets, and there were, there were years when we weren't very good, this was before we got Jason Kidd and Kenyon Martin. Uh, Michael Jordan was at, in the prime of his career. When we were winning 22-23 games, the Bulls could have sat out Jordan, and they could have still beaten us. But Michael Jordan never sat out a game in, in the Meadowlands. Never. He never sat out a game. They could have said, oh, he, he has a pulled muscle, a t- calf tightness. Never. Neither did Magic, neither did Bird, neither did Dr. J, neither did Stockton, neither did Malone. Those guys all played. (laughs) They did. And let's face it, some of those years, uh, those two sellouts that we had for the Bulls was important to the franchise. (laughs) And they came to see Jordan. They didn't come to see Will Purdue. Uh-huh. Or Craig Hodges. Well, it's interesting you say that because everybody today is wanting to sip because of the contract. We've talked about this before. It's why hockey fights aren't as prevalent. It's why the NFL is worried about guys being in different games. It's even why a guy's pulling himself out of the national title uh, possibility here. So these guys, money's on their mind, and, and, and they know that their body makes them the money. Mm-hmm. Well, college football has a, a big problem with that, with players pulling themselves out of postseason games. But I can't blame the players. I mean, you tear, you tear your knee up in a postseason game, especially if, if, you're, if, it's, non, if it's a non-playoff situation, and uh, you're, you're playing in the, uh, uh, the Weed Eater Independence Bowl or whatever it's called, and you blow out your knee – and you're supposed to be a projected second or third round or even first round pick, 
or even fifth round pick, and you don't get picked at all. I mean, that, yeah, it's it's about money. It's a, it's a big problem. All right, and, Lou. Know, well, let me ask you this because it is Franco. So, for those who don't know, the sports world has had a couple of big losses. I mean, it's if you're old enough to remember, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs great. And remind me his name, Lou, and Franco Harris. I mean, those are two Boy big losses Salming. in the sports world, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Boya Salming died at the age of 71. He had ALS. He was diagnosed with ALS uh, about only about eight or nine months ago when uh, he died quickly. Ironically, two weeks before, 12 days before he died, I was he was at Maple Leaf Gardens being honored. Um, and... Uh, then I got the, you know, then obviously we all got the announcement that he had that he had passed away. Boya Salming was a, a trailblazer. Uh, he came over from Sweden. He's the first great European player. And uh, you want to talk about racism? You want to talk about discrimination? He was discriminated against. He was discriminated against because he was European. Because, and remember, in the 1975 and 1976, it wasn't like the National League we see now of skill and speed and uh, non-violence. Yes, it's still, it's still a violent game, but they beat the crap out of Boya Salming. It was premeditated because he was Swedish, because they didn't think he was tough enough. They used uh, slurs. They called him Chicken Swede, but he never gave up, and he ended up making the Hockey Hall of Fame, one of the, one of the great Maple Leafs of all time, uh, a tremendous player, a very good puck handler, he he did not, and if he wasn't successful, he paved the way for all the Europeans that have uh, come into the NHL and have made the NHL a more skillful game, more than uh, the uh, the rock and sock and robot type of game it was when I first started watching it. Um, so yeah, Boya Salming, great player, rest in peace, tremendous player. Um, and now, obviously, what happened to Franco Harris this week has just been. Uh, incredible. I heard him actually do a live interview uh, the day before he died, about 4 o'clock, and he sounded great. And uh, then I woke up on Thursday morning, and uh, yesterday morning, and uh, I got about 6.30, there was a breaking news that he had passed away. Uh, great player, played for a, uh, a great, great professional team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, coming out of Penn State, played for a great, great, great college team. They were undefeated one year, I believe, and they didn't play for the national championship. That was, that was in the days where the Bulls locked in different teams. But uh, he, he, he was a, a tremendous player, Alex. He, he really was. Uh, he was uh, drafted. He was basically considered a fullback. There's not a lot of fullbacks anymore. Uh, Jimmy Brown was a fullback. Larry Zonka was a fullback. But obviously the game has been more spread out, and it's totally, totally different now. But uh, 50 years ago today was one of the most iconic plays in, in NFL history. And um, it, was, it, was something, it was something to behold. But just to give you a little backstory, up until that time, that was the 40th year of, of the Steelers franchise. We look at the Steelers now, and they're a national team. Wherever they play, they have a lot of fans, whether they play the Jets or Giants here, whether they, they're playing in Arizona, wherever they go, there's a lot of Steeler fans. But in 1972, 
Steelers were nothing. Nothing. I mean, when uh, in the 60s, they played at Forbes Field, and then they played at University of Pittsburgh Stadium. They would draw 25,000 a game. They were not a national team. They weren't a good team. They, had, they never made the playoffs un, until that day was their first playoff game. Do you believe that? That was the first playoff game in the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, they had, they had tied. They had played a tiebreaker game to, for the division, but that was their first official playoff game. Uh, and uh, they were winning 6 nothing on a couple of field goals. And Daryl Monica was the Raiders quarterback. And he was ineffective. So they, they pulled him in the middle of the fourth quarter and replaced him with a guy that we knew from college. He had been an outstanding college player, but really hadn't seen the light of day with the Raiders. Ken the Snake Stabler, who's now in the Hall of Fame. Late in the game, Stabler runs about 30 yards for a touchdown to put them ahead. Late in the game, three minutes to go, some, something like that. Uh, Steelers get the ball back. You know the story. Uh, a couple of, they throw three straight passes, incomplete. Um, fourth down. <laughs> You've seen the play. Uh, Bradshaw has to scramble. He, he avoids the rush. I believe Art Toms, their defensive tackle, almost got him. Another player almost got him, but he was able to uh, get away from both of them, throw through the ball on the line. Uh, to Frenchie Fuqua, a former Giant. I believe the Giants drafted him, and he ended up in, in Pittsburgh through a trade. Uh, Jack Tatum from New Jersey, from Ohio State, probably the hardest hitter, over-the-line hitter. He would not get away with the hits today that he got away with then uh, because the rules are different. He just smashed into Fuqua. The ball went ricocheting back, back towards the line of scrimmage. And... Uh, Franco Harris picked the ball out of the air just before it hit the ground. And the Raiders stopped for a second. Probably that second might have made all the difference in the world. Franco Harris ran down the left sideline, beat Jimmy Warren, the last Raider to get him, uh, a cornerback for the Raiders, into the end zone with five seconds to go. Nobody really knew what the heck was going on. Um, There was a 15-minute delay. And... uh, Fred Swerigan. And there was, was no instant the, replay back then, right? There was no instant replay. There was no instant replay. But Fred Swerigan, who was the uh, the uh, referee, didn't see it. He really didn't see it. So he got on the phone in the end zone, and we think it's never been it's never been confirmed, but we're almost sure he was talking to the head of NFL officials, Art McNally, I think back in New York. And after 15 minutes, he gave the official <laughs> he gave the official touchdown call, uh, which John Mann to this day does not believe that the play was legal because in those days, unlike now, if two offensive players touched the ball, the uh, play was blown dead. Uh, so it doesn't look like Fuqua touched the ball. It looked like that Tatum rocketed the ball when he hit Fuqua uh, in, in, in any replay that you, that you see. But remember, now two offensive plays can touch the ball. Back then, they could not. If, one, if an offensive player deflected a pass and another offensive player caught it, no good, incomplete. And the game would have been over. Uh, Madden, to his dying days, 
does not does not ex- did not accept the uh, the the officials ruling on that play. But um, that play was significant for a couple of reasons. Like I said, up until that time, the Pittsburgh Steelers were just another team. The year before, they were six and eight, but that was the beginning of their dominance for the rest of the uh, uh, the decade. And they won four out of they won four Super Bowls. They became a national team. But now we think, oh, you know, the Steelers have been one of the iconic franchises. Now they are, but they were they weren't uh, up until up until that that play. Uh, they did lose the next week. A lot of people think the play is overrated because. Uh, not because of what that play at that instant, but because they lost the next week to Miami, who went on to be under, win the undefeated season and won the Super Bowl. Uh, they didn't win. The, they didn't win the Super Bowl until two years later. It's like it, it, it's like Inde Chavez making that great catch in Game Seven, that Shea, that spectacular catch. But the Mets lost Game Seven, so nobody remembers it. And that's probably the best defensive play in baseball I've seen live in the stadium in all the games I've gone to. All right. Well, I want to go back to hockey real quick because we're also seeing history happen on the ice with Alex Ovechkin chasing Gordie Howe. What's, what race, what record is he exactly chasing? Uh, tell us, Lou. Okay. So uh, Alex Ovechkin, the best goal scorer I have seen in my uh, – 50 plus years of watching hockey. Um, he ha- he's at 800 right now. Four or five games ago, he, he had a hat trick in Chicago to get to 800. Uh, Gordy Howe's ahead of him at 801, and then Wayne Gretzky's at 894, which everybody thought was an unbreakable record because the game has changed from the 80s when you would. It was almost like. Like they would say, the live ball era, it was the 80s in hockey was the live puck era. Then we went into the dead puck era. And now we're in the middle of the road puck era. Um, so he's one, he's one away from tying the all-time great Gordie Howe. Obviously, he's going to do that. I think he's going to pass Gretzky uh, probably in three years if he stays healthy, unless he has a career-ending injury. Uh, he's... An incredible physical specimen. He has uh, no fear in throwing hits. He's one of the top guys in the National Hockey League in delivering hits. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I, let's say he scores 30 goals the rest of the way this year. Uh, that, that'll put him at 830. Then I would say probably needs two more seasons to do it. I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to hit 900 unless he has unless he has him. A major injury. He scored the most goals on the road. He has scored in NHL history. He scored the most power play goals in NHL history. Uh, you know, you know he's going to do it. As far as where he's going to be on the ice for the power play in the at the top of the left uh, uh, left circle, uh, and he still scores. He's he's a tremendous goal scorer. He really is. Lou, do you ever lace up and play hockey? I know you love the sport, but what sport did you play the most growing up? Basketball. And I, was, I wasn't very good at it, but that was the one I played the most. <laughs> very cool. Well, I know basketball is, is a pastime of yours. All right. Well, you know what today is. It's the Festivus. So give us your 2022 
grievance of sports grievance of the year on Terminello's take. What's your grievance, Lou? For for every sport or uh, yeah, I mean we talk baseball, general. but I mean overall, what 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 did you not like about this year's sports? And there's been a lot of well, things going on, but yeah, in baseball, they I was hoping that they would get rid of the free runner at second base, and they have quietly kept it. They didn't come out. They you know they talked about different rules, the shift. And, uh, you know, things like that. But the, th- the three, uh, the free runner at second base, which they said was only because of COVID, is, go- is, is now sticking. I don't like it. So that's my grievance in baseball. Uh, my, grievance with, my grievance in football, just way too many inconsistent uh, officials. I mean, um, what's pass interference? in one game is not in the other. What is a catch in one game is not catch in the other. What's roughing the passer in one game is not roughing the passer in the other. It's, it's maddening. Uh, my grievance in basketball is guys don't, don't play every game like we just talked about, too many three-point shots, and um, I don't like it. Actually, my grievance in hockey, I really don't have much grievance in hockey with the exception that the way the schedule is, you don't play enough games in your, div- in your division. I mean, the Rangers and Islanders played their third and final game last night before Christmas. Uh, the Islanders are only playing the Devils three times. The Devils and Rangers are playing four times. But that's, that's, a, that's a grievance. And I do believe every team, you should play every team in, in, in the league twice, once at home and once away. But they got to do something with that. I see they want to add two more games to the schedule in the NHL, 84 games, to help alleviate that situation. That's a mistake. They should be, dry, they should be cutting down some games. But uh, those, are, those would be, off the top of my head, those would be four of my grievances. I don't think I'm missing anything that uh, – uh, that I'm going to say after I hang up with the phone. Like, oh no, that's that's agreements that I want to talk to Alex about. You know, so 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 uh, we'll see. But I think it, I think uh, we're in a good year. And you, you know, another grievance I have, and that this is never going to happen in my lifetime. I really wish baseball would have a hard salary cap. Like you know, we said the other day when we were talking about um, the Mets signing Correa. Okay, that's that's great. Yeah, I'm a Mets fan. I've been waiting 50 years for the Mets to do something like this. But for the overall health of the game, I just don't know how good it is. For the overall competitive balance of the game, you know, we talked about 10, 12 teams already know that they have no shot next year. It's crazy. So that would be a, that would be a grievance with baseball. Well, we'll have to see how this goes. I have to think about my grievances, but maybe I'll, I'll list them next week. But Anyway, have a Festivus for the rest of us tonight, Lou. And always, thanks for Terminal's take. Uh, we'll get back to Seton Hall and St. John's in a bit. I mean, rough Big East start for them, but there's a lot of time to make up ground. I hope, I hope at least for the John, the uh, Pirates' sake, I think the Johnnies will be okay. But we, we'll figure that out down the road. For now, Lou Terminello, thanks for your Terminal's take. And one last thing, um, <clears throat> someone said today, or I saw on TikTok, and I wanted you to react to this. At this Christmas weekend, I wanted to leave people with this note. 
Someone said, well, if you spell out go disabled or something to that effect, it says God is able. And boy, oh boy, um, that message of God being able for us is so important for each and one of us as we celebrate his birth this weekend. So I want to leave you with that thought that, yes, God is able, Lou Terminello. You are you are 100 percent correct. That's beautiful. You said that beautifully, Alex. Thank you so much. So Merry Christmas on that note, and we will talk to you soon, Lou Terminello. Yes. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Have, have a wonderful holiday. That was part two of Terminello's Take. We'll be back with you soon on Spreaker.com. Awesome. And we fit in that little piece, too, and I figured I'd share that with you, too. So That was, that was good.